0: friends brian here for yes you can play guitar thank you once again for stopping by and checking out our podcast you know this was an interesting one and i'm going to give you a little bit of background here so for any of you that have followed me on youtube or even here on the podcast you know i've been a professional guitarist and guitar instructor for geez 30 years now has it really been 30 years man that makes me feel old So anyway, I started working on my YouTube channel August of 2021. And of course, you know, I've explained in past uh, podcasts how I did a bit of a deep dive on Prince. And I really realized how amazing he was as an artist and as a musician and how clueless I was when I was younger, in my younger days about Prince. And also, there was around that time, there was another uh, professional guitar player. From the West Coast, his name was Brian Heaney, and he started a YouTube channel, and he kind of, although I think Brian had a bit more of a, an awareness of who Prince was and his abilities than I did, but he started a YouTube channel roughly, maybe a little bit after I did, and uh, he he did a few Prince deep dives, and uh, we had some good friends who followed both our channels, and so I'd get messages or comments saying, you should talk to Brian Heaney, you know, it'd be a great conversation to watch between you two two professional guitar players who've learned a lot about Prince and talking about it. So, uh, after a while we actually set it up and uh, our good friend the Solitary Adventurer, who you guys know, anything I do related to Prince, he always joins me. He's a very long-time Prince fan, but he, he he's he's you know, he documents, he researches. He documents and he researches, sorry. Uh, everything to do with Prince, it's amazing uh, some of the stuff he's shown me. And he was there uh, with the conversation and it was really, really fascinating to uh, just get different perspectives on it. So I think for anybody who's uh, you know a, a Prince fan, uh, you will really like this conversation. I remember I really enjoyed it. And hopefully Brian and I can link up again maybe this year for another conversation. So. Before we get started, remember guys, feel free if you want, if you like what you hear, feel free to donate to the podcast. The links are in the description here. You know, I have two Patreon communities, one for my guitar community, one for my reaction community. Heck, if you like what you hear, if you like me, or if you're not sure if you're like, well, I don't know about this guy, but I guess I sort of like him. You know, an easy way you can help support me is just go to my YouTube channel and press subscribe. That's It'll burn half a calorie clicking the mouse button. That helps a lot, okay, for uh, for our YouTube channel here, but um, but for the podcast, you guys enjoy this video of two professional guitar players talking about Prince. I just want to say hi to everybody, uh, all the people out there, Prince fans. I think there was a few Polyphia fans, too. They've asked that I have a discussion, the discussion with the Bryans, the two two guitar players talking about Prince, talking about Polyphia and all that. A number of people have asked me. So here we are on my end. I want to say hello again. Of course, we have uh, the Solitary Adventurer, who's uh, uh, been a great friend to uh, my channel. And uh, so hi on my end. Nice to finally meet you, Brian.
1: Nice to meet you as well, and uh, super excited. Uh, the Solitary Adventure as well has been really sweet to me and sent yeah, me yeah. tons of stuff, and uh, I don't know if it's the same for you, Brian, but I have more than four or five people that send me, like, you know, here's Prince's lineup, uh, and, you know, guitar stuff mostly, but things I've never seen, like you were mentioning. Yeah, and, no, uh,
0: absolutely. And, so. and to differentiate between the Bryans, which is the biggest challenge of today, I guess, I'm going to be called Brian with a Y. And I guess we got Brian with an I.
1: Yeah, that works.
2: Okay. All right. So I'll, I'll act as a little bit of a moderator. And then Absolutely. I think when we start to talk about the print stuff, um, I'll probably be there to sort of fill in the recollection of which, which TV show was it, which award ceremony and that kind of thing. <laughs> um, so I think let's just start with uh, how you got into music and how you got started and, what your first instrument was, just a a general introduction. Um, And we'll go guest first, Brian with an A. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I started playing guitar when I was young. I was played in hardcore bands uh, in the uh, Midwest of the States. And uh, I was a terrible guitar player for a really, really long time. And I just kind of kept at it. But I always loved guitar of all genres. And, you know, um, that's why we're talking today, obviously, too. But um yeah i've been in kind of more avant-garde jazz bands for the last like 20 30 years and um never played anything like prince <laughs> i wish but i can't so uh yeah kind of uh w- w- what's on my channel is not what i would play and to be honest it's not what i really listen to as much as well so um yeah
2: so Interesting. That's kind and...
1: of a, in a nutshell
2: <laughs> no it's good it's good and I suppose that the question I always have for, for guys who are advanced on one instrument, is it oh. your only instrument or do you play? no other... I can barely play guitar, but it's always been guitar. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And Brian with a Y, I know that you did a, a long interview uh, over the last week that's been going up um, and I've deliberately not watched them because I didn't okay. want to preempt what your answer would be here.
0: Okay. Uh, are, are we talking about with Rob Arnold from Camara or?
2: Uh, the, the new channel. Oh, the, the Shrek Guitar TV. Yes, yes.
0: Yep. He was a very nice fellow, too. Yeah, he, you know, it's one of the things I, I believe is very important. And, you know, the whole basis for my channel uh, really is the world's gone crazy. We could get into politics, we get into what's going on in the world and everything. Uh, The world really is, you know, I was just out getting groceries yesterday. I thought, man, I'm gonna have to go to a life of crime to be able to afford to eat soon, the price of food. But On the channel, it's just like, look, we all love music. I have a a huge background in history with guitar and music and performance. Let's just talk about music. Let's just talk about music.
2: And are you uh, proficient, I suppose, on any of the other instruments?
0: Um, uh, Guitar is definitely my thing. I've had to learn to um, uh, – I used to be really in the hard rock metal bands, and then I quickly realized as I got on in my 20s, I got tired of being broke and I wanted to eat and get some bills paid. So I sold my soul and I started playing country bands. Uh, I've studied jazz. I've, I've, I've done a lot of different styles of music. Um, what was the question?
2: (laughs) Just your, your beginnings on on guitar and any other instruments? Yeah. Yeah. I
0: had an older brother who, um, uh, he's 10 years older than I, and he really had an eclectic taste of music. I have to credit him with, uh, um, uh, getting into a lot of different music. I remember in his collection, he had everything from Blondie to The Police to ZZ Top to uh, he was really into First Wave. But once I started hearing hard rock in the early 80s, and then it progressed from there to heavier bands. But um, but again, I, I, I really do, and I'm open-minded to pretty much all music. And, you know, if I think something sucks, I'll say it sucks. But uh, I got into guitar, and then, uh, you know, as I kind of delved further and further with my musical education and performing, uh, and wanting to actually earn an income, you know, I I, I do teach bass, I can play bass. Uh, uh, and I also learned to sing, I, I'm not great, but I have functional vocals. So if I was in a band with someone who was a good singer, and they were sick, or they needed me to sing five or 10 songs just to give them a break, people would say, Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, it's okay. So functional vocals, sing a few harmonies, but uh, yeah, a little bit of keyboards.
2: Yeah. So we've got a mutual uh, friend uh, to both of the channels, Ellie uh, from yes. France. Yes. So Ellie uh, had asked about, you know, sort of your your first instrument experiences. But one question that he asked was, uh, what have you done for work outside of music to help fund the the life of the guitar, if, if that's the case? Yep. So uh, we'll go Brian with an eye.
1: Yeah, for me, I've never made anybody playing music. I mean, I've taught lessons and stuff like that, but I've sold wine and spirits for a couple of decades, and that's how I supported myself and my family, and uh, music's always just been a way to waste any extra money, (laughs) that you know, buying equipment, and doing this channel has not helped, because uh, I've always been into pedals, but getting into prints, I bought a Color Sound Wah recently, and that was just for me for fun or whatever, but um, every time I'm like, hey, I'm going to cool it on the pedals. I don't keep anything for the most part. I have very, I have probably 20 pedals, but I've had literally hundreds and hundreds. And um, I'll buy them and sell them and all of that. So
0: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of when you're a musician, good. you know, you get it. You understand. It's it's, it's <laughs> when, once you're a musician and you get into that, I, I definitely get it for
1: sure. Yeah, but never really. Uh, yeah. So I've sold wine and spirits for money.
2: um well you you'll be doing okay with the inflation at the moment you'll be one of the few who's uh, recession proof.
1: well sort of you know there's always that saying you drink when you're happy and when you're sad um i don't ethically agree with that it's kind of a job where i do it because i've done it it's not like i don't drink a lot um all of that so it's not a you know it's not a moral thing i just sometimes i'm like this is how you make money doing this kind of thing so uh (laughs) But yeah, inflation here in the states. Uh, I sell a lot of really expensive wine, and um, I'm amazed that people can spend that kind of money on one bottle of mm-hmm. wine. Where, so.
0: uh, where, where in the states are you, Brian? Are you out in the West Coast? I'm or? in Portland, Oregon. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have uh, you have great uh, trees. I, I, there's a better way to say it, but the yeah, size of the trees in Oregon is is spellbinding.
1: It's uh, uh, and. Uh, in my part of washington i'm from seattle i lived in seattle for 30 mm-hmm. years i moved here like three years ago or whatever uh but where i drive i drive a lot and i go like to the base of a lot of mountains now i yep. mean like there's mount adams there's these huge mountains so if you're into the outdoor stuff it's amazing i am mm-hmm. not i'm inside playing guitar talking about music but <laughs> for those yeah. who love the outdoors it's amazing
2: so yeah yeah, I did uh, Mount St. Helens and uh, a little town called Astoria, where they they on yeah. the Goonies. I drive I drive through there once a week. Wow. Yeah. Okay, small world. Yeah. yeah. So Brian with a Y. Yeah. Uh, you've always uh, what What sort of age was it when you you first started making a living off the guitar? It's-
0: well, so uh, a lot of my all my education with music is has been private. So I've had private teachers. I've studied with people with PhDs, took lessons, um, and I my I went to college uh, for electronics. So I worked as a as an electronics technician uh, in the Ottawa region uh, where I was uh, in Canada. They had a very booming high tech industry in the '90s, '80s, '80s and '90s. And, uh, so I did that. Uh, I, I'm, I'm a very, um, strong willed person. I have a very strong personality. I'm not a good follower. I'll follow if it makes sense, but if it doesn't make sense, right. I don't, uh, so in the high tech industry, you you know, you, you see a lot of stuff going on. You see a lot of politics, a lot of backstabbing. You see people that get promotions that you're like, wait, man, I, I was here working overtime for like two months and I, they were on holidays most of the time. What's going on here? I, it just didn't work for me. And I remember after doing that for a number of years, I was already teaching a bit on the side and I was playing professionally on weekends. And I remember when I got laid off, I remember this last company uh, I, I worked for, I made it to the fifth round of layoffs and uh, I had some savings. And I remember just saying, man, what, what's my life like? If I, if I could just have a one bedroom apartment and a mattress and a microwave and a toaster, I would be happier just living on my own terms. So from then on, I just started... It was tough for a while, but I started working at just giving guitar lessons uh, and playing professionally. And I really realized with time I was quite a good guitar teacher and um, bands have come and go. I've made some income. I never relied on that. I've had good years in bands. I've had bad times in bands, but I I realized I was a very good guitar teacher. I just had my own methods and uh, it worked really well for me. And I had a point where I had a music school with over 100 students and I had staff working for me. So uh, music's been very good to me.
2: And um, what was it that sort of brought on that uh, desire to go onto YouTube and start doing the videos?
0: Um, so I had a YouTube channel for my music school about 10 years ago, but I, I didn't get YouTube. My my, I was very primitive with my video editing. I remember seeing channels like Marty Schwartz and Justin Guitar going, look <laughs> at these dumbasses. They're putting their lessons up for free. Well, now you go and <laughs> their videos have... <laughs> Have you know millions of views? Like I didn't get it; it was over my head. I I kind of did it more just for in my little, you know, with you know to advertise within you know 30 kilometers uh, around my where my music school was. I used it more to promote my music school locally. Um, I you know again I don't want to distract from our uh, discussion. That I I stepped out uh, when you do music, practicing guitar, gigging when you do that 24/7 for 15, 20 years, however long it was. I burnt out I got into another industry for a couple years did really well at it but uh and then I came back to music so even in in that other industry I I was doing a little bit of YouTube but I I didn't get YouTube the way I understand YouTube now like now it's like it's one of my uh joys passions being creative or whatever but uh I, I just you know what got me into it this time around was I maybe Brian can agree with me on this uh I actually started I like to do a lot of stuff with my channel we do Prince requests and we do interviews I really enjoy the interviews I'll do some guitar lessons but I try and keep my lessons different than what everyone else is doing but what got me into doing this is I watched a YouTube channel where somebody had hundreds of thousands of subscribers and I really thought that their guitar lessons there was something wrong because everyone I knew that subscribed to this person and play guitar sucked and a lot of the channels, there's good channels, but a lot of the bad channels, they would be, they, they thrive on a kernel of a lie, and the lie is at the end of this video, you too, shall be playing guitar, and you know, there's a lot more to guitar, and there's a lot of confusion and misconceptions, and then I just said, oh man, I can do better than this, but uh, that's what actually kind of got me into
2: this. And Brian with an A, how did uh, the YouTube journey start for you?
1: Uh, I think, uh, you know, three years ago, well, during the pandemic, I was just doing it for basically two reasons, like doing it as like a way to get better in play like if you can't play in front of people like kind of somehow actively putting yourself out there for all the terrible criticism or, you know, the, the pluses as well, and just to get better at talking and you know I just kind of did it as like a personal growth thing and you know, I started doing um, a lot of record reviews, like some of my favorite records that aren't obscure by my standards, but by the average guitar player, they have never heard of, you know, Raul Bjorkenheim or, you know, so I was doing kind of these kind of adventurous guitar players. That was the whole intent is to kind of do adventurous players and talk to about people that um, maybe don't get talked about that much. And that didn't work. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> watched them. And so, I started doing reactions and that was slow. And even now, like some nobody watches and some, you know, a lot of people watch. So it's kind of a, it's still a little bit of a mystery for me, how this all works. I, I know when something's good and I know how to get better at it. And it's, I mean, Brian can also say like, you know, you can go down this rabbit hole of like, I need a better camera and all of this stuff. And I've tried to not do that just yet because you have to have better content mm-hmm. and be good your your personality has to kind of come through more than almost anything else so um yeah, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: that's why uh, i'm doing it is like to figure that all out i guess and that's how it started is just like uh, get out there i'll talk to people and meet people and the cool thing is i met you i met brian of course now and through doing a lot of uh it's kind of centered around two things fish like Trey Anastasio and Prince Prince I was a fan of before fish I did not like at all but okay. I was trying to find guitar players that would resonate with many anybody that loves guitar you know if they're open-minded mm-hmm. and um Trey's an amazing guitar player so I kind of uh went that way and um got a lot of feedback almost too much like I was just like I can't and i was trying to you fall into these traps where you're doing way too much and that's not the way to go about this yeah and yeah. the one thing i'll say about prince though is everyone was super sweet and um yeah. always positive and i never got anyone saying like i mean may, you know sometimes i'd watch a video and i'd be like i i wouldn't show it because i didn't like it so if you've seen it it's because i thought it was great you know because maybe
2: okay.
1: uh, chris you said something or ellie or someone else said this is a great version and you know that was always true so mm-hmm.
2: um so anyway. let's let's pull on that thread a little bit because uh, i'm going to preempt the answer that brian will give uh and i know his <laughs> his channel are aware that brian didn't really know much out of uh, of prince uh beforehand but i'll let him speak to that in a, in a moment but you said that you, you were already a fan how, yeah. how was that
1: well, I, I mean, not to get super personal, but I had a girlfriend that loved Sign of the Times. She was a, a Prince yeah. fan. And that record, I mean, I've heard this many times. That's the cornerstone of my Prince experience. And then Love Sexy, I think I bought that. And the Batman soundtrack. And um, I i actually love the Batman soundtrack a lot. I tried to do yeah. videos yeah. from that. Those get blocked um, yeah. because it's yeah. by yeah. Warner Brothers or whatever. Yeah. But um. But that's my, that's my go-to, is Sign on
2: the Times. And I still, oh. like, all those songs are incredible. Yeah. And is it that period, that 87 through about 90? Uh, did you drift away from him then? And...
1: Yeah. I mean, I just, I was listening to, again, to talk about myself maybe too much. But, I mean, I was listening to Fusion. I was a huge jazz Fusion guy. And, you know, that's kind of where my... Uh, interest went and i always listened to pop music or stuff like that on the side but prince was just kind of this like, encapsulated a couple of years always if i saw him on tv or something but i literally lost track of what's the record after the batman soundtrack what's
2: um i mean graffiti bridge uh yeah and that right terrible film that started. went with it
1: <laughs> yeah i i yeah. didn't listen to that record and you know, I probably didn't have a TV for a long time, so you couldn't see MTV or whatever, or I didn't. And so um it was just that little period that I really got into him. And then, you know, always thought he was a great guitar player. I don't get this, that I know fans uh, and other guitar players that took the time to listen knew he was great, but I I always thought he was great. Not like I do now, but then I was like, yeah, I, that's a great songwriter. Great guitar player, amazing singer, great performer like no other. Yeah, so yeah.
2: anyway. And did you ever get the opportunity to uh, go to see him live and decided not to?
1: Uh, I mean, I'm sure. I mean, I was I lived in a lot of metropolitan areas. But, oh, I think uh, in Seattle, I wouldn't I can't remember what year this was. It was in the 2010s, maybe that he came. And I was like, oh, that'd be really fun. And then I. um uh, There's a bar that always did Prince Tribune nights and stuff like that. And I was there and I was like, that's kind of not so great. <laughs> and then he's like, oh man, you should have went because they had the after party or what, you know, all of this stuff I didn't knew existed. And it was like, the after party was like amazing. So that's the one time I was like almost close to going. And I kind of just said, well, you know, I don't know if I can stand for three hours, you know, no matter how great it is.
2: So I I didn't
1: go. But you know when... I'll ask
2: a yeah. sorry let me just uh, ask a yeah, quick, quick question now that's got very little relevance uh but we'll, we'll I just want to uh, get a, a little bit of feedback the, they have these um, concerts that they've done in Minneapolis where they put prints up on a live screen you know with footage taken from old concerts or a, a concert um, tour and then they have a live band playing underneath so it's not a hologram but you know, I mean, he wasn't the tallest guy in the world, anyway. So that I often went to concerts, and maybe you couldn't really see him. You, you yeah. had to look at the screen. Is <laughs> that something that you would go to if they they were to take that on the road? No. For uh, what you're thinking, though.
1: I, I don't know. I, I I I that's just my initial reaction. Like, if he's not there, I don't even care if it was like the whole band. You know, that was actually, you know, his best band. Um, like John Blackwell on drums, Ronda on bass, and, you know, whoever else, that's kind of like the people I really like. I'd still be like, it's an approximation, you know, and it's not, it's a live band, but like, I, it depends, you know, yeah. I just find that almost like not, <laughs> I don't know what the right word is, but it's like, <laughs> it's not right is what I
2: would say. In yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's a, a feedback that we, I think we've all had, which is that two-packet Coachella hologram. You know, nobody yeah. wants that. Yeah. yeah.
1: I was thinking Ronnie James Dio. I guess there was supposed to be that and a Zappa one. And I love Zappa more than almost anyone. And I'm like, yeah, I don't... I mean, I've seen the Zappa tribute things every year, but when yeah. you see something with a hologram of someone who's been dead, it's just... But, know. but you know, Brian, when you say there was Prince Tributes
0: in Seattle... <clears throat> One of the more painful reaction videos for me, I did a reaction video to some Prince tribute acts. It was painful for me to watch. And, you know, I had a, a, a follower of my channel and probably your channel, Margie, a wonderful woman from Australia. She said to me the other day about, asked me about Purple Rain the movie. But it got me thinking, like, I, I can't stand seeing guys playing covers of Purple Rain on guitar. I don't care. I've seen some amazing guitar players. And I'm just like, it's just for me, it's like, just don't go there. Just leave the magic alone.
1: I... Uh, i've done a few recently uh as uh, uh, chris will probably say or mention but um yeah they're usually not good like there's um even like they're amazing players or whatever but it's yeah. like the singing that kills me every time i did one with jeff beck that one was like i mean jeff beck's up there too in my top five. Oh yeah and- it was a train wreck. Like, there's no way. And all I could think is Rhonda Smith, who played besides Prince, what, like 10 years, roughly?
2: On and off, yeah, yeah.
1: And I can't imagine she's up there going like, wow, this is really cool. Seeing Steven Tyler, like, destroy the song. And, uh, <laughs> or whoever, there's other people. I didn't even recognize them. I was like, wow, oh, okay. And then I, I'm i doing one with, um, God, what's his name? He's an English guitar player, Tim Miller. Is that his name? That one's coming okay. out, and that one I did. um It's yes, it is painful, uh, uh, but not as painful as it could be. I
2: guess. Yeah. It's oh. it's a question that we had from Patreon actually uh from Ed Soy. Uh, what's the worst Prince cover or tribute that you've reacted to? So you've you've preempted that. I, I, for me, I think uh the Jeff Beck one given the amount of talent that was on that stage, was the most egregious <laughs> because they, they really should have known better. Um, yeah. I have a pet peeve with the, the Springsteen one where, I mean, I, I've been ruined by Prince. I think the greatest thing that he ever did was how to teach a, an Irish DNA uh, white man how to do the two and four as if that's the most natural thing in the world. So yeah. to hear Springsteen start every lyric on the one it just kills yeah. me. It's like <laughs> you're absolutely destroying the, the, the uh, flow of the lyric here.
1: Yeah. Well, I I don't think I, I might have watched that because someone, I think maybe Ellie mentioned that or something. And I know it exists and there's a few others. I probably won't do any more, to be honest. I just no. thought, oh, you know, there was a great Muse version of um, The Cross, right? I think that's what it was. It's not great, but it was good enough. Like, I was like, that's a cool, like, you know, with a cover, you want to either make it your own and make it so good that it stands up by itself, or you do a kind of a strict, like, complete, like, a- approximation of the, the the original, which can't be done. You can oh, do that no. with, like instrumental music of course but the singing part like i said it's just like just don't try do your well, own thing and then yeah well one of them uh one of them was that it
0: was is one of the um is it from it was a show in las vegas you know at one of the places in las vegas and it's like you know i i played in canada i played at some of the a clubs you know and there's a lot of pressure on you to perform and not screw up and i'm I'm watching this you know they had great production and everything, but i'm like this is so this bad was the-
2: yeah, so Yeah,
0: d- didn't i stop it about halfway through the solo mm. i said i can't do this anymore in the video yeah but it's like how did they get hired by las vegas like in las vegas like i don't get it it's so and it was and from a guitar player's perspective it was bad he was out of key his, 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 he was really pitchy some of his bends and licks were just like oh my god what is going on here and the dude got paid for it at the end of the night man maybe maybe i just didn't do enough drugs when i was younger or something but i'm looking at it going <laughs> oh my god
2: yeah. Is that the worst one in your eyes of the the tributes and the covers?
0: That one was brutal, man. I had to stop. I just I just said I'm not doing yeah. this anymore.
2: The the do, you video. Ha- <laughs> do you have a best that you can think of someone who's who's you know at least done a half decent job of covering? For me? Y- yeah.
0: Um you know, actually probably one of the better ones was 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 the Eddie Vedder one. Yeah. You know, it's uh and and the, and the guitar player and everything. That was probably one of the better ones that I that I can recall off the top of my head for sure. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, it.
1: I don't sorry. know. Sorry, I I I don't know if I. I mean, that one by Muse, I thought was nice and it wasn't terrible and cringy. And at that point, I mean, I think I've done three, maybe four. Oh no, I've done like uh, Warren Haynes, uh, doing um Purple Rain. And that was oh. just, yeah. And Warren Haynes and someone else, maybe um, uh, Marcus King or something like that. And uh, they they did a really great bluesy, like rock version. Um, I wouldn't say it's great, but, you know, I thought it was decent. But um, out of all of those, there's none of them I would say, hey, we got, you know, you got to check this one out.
0: Yeah, it's just, it's like, just don't go there. Just leave it. Just let it be. Didn't another great yeah. musician who, uh, his anniversary of passing was the other day too? Didn't he say that? Let it be. Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Paul McCartney hasn't died, has he? Have, have no. I missed something?
0: Oh, wait. Is he, oh, okay. Yeah. Sure.
2: <laughs> Me with names so,
0: and all that other stuff.
2: Yeah. Uh, let's so it, for a, a fan like myself, um, I'll, I'll be completely honest. Uh, the, the other stuff that you have on your both of your channels i watch um, but as a as a non guitarist who likes a certain type of guitar both of you guys are a little bit too heavy or avant-garde for for my taste but i really enjoy watching the videos to see whether it opens me up and I'm, I'm pretty sure you know i speak for quite a few of the audience for that because that's that's what music is about isn't it you hope that somebody introduces you and opens up a new door that you you haven't been down um, but the, the the crossover is absolutely uh, the Prince reaction. And I suppose I'm ca- still kind of blown away that you guys have come from where you've come from yeah. and that the different tastes that you have. And you found something in Prince's playing and, and the, the musicianship uh, mm-hmm. that is enough that you've you've actually taken yourselves down this route. And let's start with Brian with an eye. Speak to me just in general terms about or it is about Prince's playing that, that has, has captured you?
1: Well, I think it's the whole thing. And uh, and on some of these videos, pretty emotional for me. And that was took me like a real reaction video, like where you express something that happens in the moment. And I'm not saying that that that's pretty rare. But with Prince, it's happened quite a few times where I'm just... It's a combination of like that... Um, you know, he gives a side look, and he sings, and uh, the guitar playing, I think, is amazing, but it's, like, the whole thing for me, and I'm surprised by the guitar playing sometimes. I wouldn't say it's, like, technically, you know, off the charts, but that doesn't really matter. I mean, I we, Brian and I both uh, watch lots of stuff with highly technical players, but they're not, like, able to write a song like, you know, a lot of the songs that... um mm-hmm that we're doing you know I mean it's just really impactful again I think it's the whole package for me like the great guitar playing great feel obviously and uh he's pretty adventurous too it's not like he's just doing like a, a routine or like the same solo every time in every song like I see a lot of experimentation improvisation and then he can have the band stop on a dime
2: hmm.
1: and then you know continue on with the song that's an amazing thing in
2: itself right there so that's yeah. what. Yeah. And that Brian with the white.
0: Uh, so when we talk about this kind of thing, we have to talk about, and Brian would be a good person to talk to you about this. I I have always said in my videos I have a huge guitar magazine collection. I have no recollection ever of any strong references to Prince, and I watched one of Brian's reaction videos. It was a it was a newer one it was to the undertaker and he said, oh, okay, well, I have the November 94 issue of guitar world. And here they talk about, it. I'm like, what? So I, I immediately went over to my collection and I've, I've got out in the garage. I got totes. Like I got tons of guitar magazines. I'm like, I don't happen to have that one. So now I feel like an ass a little bit, but uh, I think there was a lot of things uh, with Prince as a guitar player. I, it was kind of interesting for me, like his guitar tone, his kind of guitar setup is more for like a metal guitar players that was kind of neat too with he uses active emg pickups uh you know mesa mesa heads and cabinets uh i like the fact that he has a very simple setup you know i've seen some crazy setups on stage and i think that's not practical man you go play in a club where people are drunk and they're you know up on stage dancing and spilling beer and stepping on where the power adapter connects into your pedals and but technically he's a he's, he's a phenomenal guitar player i talk often about how he transcends He gets into this other zone with his playing that a lot of us aren't going to reach, no matter how many technically professional you are. But what a lot of people don't understand with Prince, I can remember, you know, playing regional gigs. If I had to sing half the night and play guitar, I remember how exhausted and drained I would be at the end of the night. But that's just me up on stage playing. I'm not I'm, I'm commanding a band, but I'm not commanding like, you know, a 20 piece band. I'm not looking over, paying attention to every detail. While I'm performing, looking over the sound guy, giving him certain eyebrow movements, or or the the (laughs) monitor mix guy, I'm not thinking about what the lights are doing, is everything. His brain worked on a level that I I really don't think people get and understand. And I try and convey that, because I look at it all around as a musician, guitar player, but as a performer. We recently interviewed Scotty Baldwin, for me that was amazing because i did time i also had to learn how to mix sound you know so talking to a master like that you know again we'll be talking to him again soon that i have a like four thousand questions i could ask the guy but i don't think people realize how much in command prince was of everything when he was on stage not just singing and playing some guitar like nothing went by without him noticing it
2: yeah yeah, and sadly, it's the the art stick that I hold most musicians to, which is <laughs> <luck>. supremely unfair. <laughs> yeah. So, in terms of, uh, you've both said uh, something around the 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 level of technique that he had, and and the I suppose the musical vocabulary that he comes from. Yeah, is this sort of pentatonic blues based? Uh, you know, the odd little flourish around that, like a Mixolydian I've, I've heard described, which yeah. I don't think is a million miles away from Pentatonic, but can you speak to, I suppose it's it's not a technique thing, is it an imagination or a creativity that he had with you know, the same building blocks that most people learn?
0: In jazz they when you go over certain patterns and certain scales and go over them, go over them then when you're actually in a position where you improvise sometimes you've been over something so much in jazz, they refer to it as a horn sense. You just play, right? Sometimes you even stop thinking you just play because you've been over... Um, so there is a creative element to it as well. I've heard him also use uh, you know, the Aeolian or natural minor scale a little bit, the major scale sometimes, but definitely most of his licks revolve around uh, the major minor pentatonic and the 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 blues scale. Uh, his licks were incredible. Just his feeling, his, his timing, his accenting the notes. Uh, yeah, he was just... He, you know nobody picks up a guitar and can play like eddie van halen or prince or yngwie momstein or it, it just doesn't happen that way i don't care what people say sometimes you know i had someone recently post on a prince video they said he was 100 self-taught and i wrote back not to be confrontational but i just said when you say he was 100 percent self-taught do you mean that no one else has sat down with him with a guitar and showed him how to tune or play a certain lick or anyway uh but there is a certain X factor he has, and most of us will never see it from the performance aspect, but it's getting the message across when you're playing. When there was a famous, there was a famous scene in the movie Walk the Line with Joaquin Phoenix, uh, you know, where they're playing Folsom Prison Blues, they're paying for this precious studio time, they're trying to record, and the studio manager's like, I've heard this song 4,000 times. Play the song and make me believe it. Do you believe Prince when you watch him on stage and play? Has there ever been a performance where you didn't, you just weren't buying it?
2: Yeah, very few. Yeah.
0: Right. Uh, you know, again, I'm not trying to, you know, bring in other genres and stuff, but a, a band, a metal band, I like Chimera. Their guitar player, he was great at capturing. That band was truly pissed off when they came out and played. I bought what they were selling. I'll watch other metal bands go. I'm not buying it. I don't believe it. So. Uh, I've never once seen a, a performance with Prince that I didn't believe
2: hmm. and one thing that i've I've noticed obviously consuming you know thousands of these bootlegs and and uh live performances is that he never really seems to play the same thing twice it's it's obviously there's the structure of the song yeah but you know i mean I think we've you know all three of us have have had multiple versions of that purple rain solo yeah and you, you wouldn't say that he's playing the same thing necessarily in the same order each time
1: yeah he tends Can to you... play that little tag yeah uh, at mm-hmm. the end yeah that's it you know yeah uh, that well, i won't try to sing it because i don't have function <laughs> <vocals. laughs> but anyway yeah so uh, I would say, you know, like if you take the song like what he was really great at when he's best at from a guitar standpoint. I love in music where you're surprised by something like it makes sense, but there's just that little twist. And um, he, I'm trying to think of a great example. Um, the cross isn't the best example, but it's got that great Lydian melody. And, um, you know, it's just kind of cool sounding. It sounds a little exotic. And then there's just some songs where he does that. That's so uh, great. But as far as an improviser, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, he, like Brian would say, like, you can spend a lot of time. I have spent decades. And there's still times where you go to band where it's not in tune or, and that can be fine in certain ways, but I never hear him. You know, I hear him to be sloppy. I, I've i heard him miss notes and all of that. But, I mean, you know, that happens to almost everybody, no matter how amazing they are. And um, I would say he definitely was always firing at 95%, if not above 100%. Mm-hmm. And I think what's cool is him doing, like, Stratus and doing, like, the Santana stuff. That kind of goes to his roots. Uh, I think a little bit for like solo guitar stuff, like Carlos Santana, he would say is an influence. I'm, I heard him mention that or at least talk about him a little bit. And, um, you know, I, I won't bring up the Hendrix thing per se, but you know, um, yeah, I mean, I don't think he sounds like Jimi Hendrix. I always just say like, man, he, it would have been great. If he put together a trio, I've said this in so many of the videos. In fact, I have one coming out of, uh, Version of them changes with Buddy Miles on drums, and with Prince somewhere. I can't remember it's from. It's not the best because <laughs> Buddy Miles, but uh, he just really could do that stuff. And it's to me, it's not like he's copying it or whatever. He just could really put his whole heart into something, sing it, play it, and it just took it to another. Like that's a great person that does a great cover. Like if you can pull a Hendrix song off and make it a hundred times better. And yeah. he just, I mean, he did it
0: and he made it his own in a way. So. And, and the thing that a lot of people don't understand uh, is when you, sometimes you really arrive as a professional musician, when you can make a mistake, look like a million bucks. So mm-hmm. I, I, many years ago when I would play, I had a friend of mine, he liked my playing, he came out every time I gig, he'd say, dude, you sounded great, but you know what? Every time you made a mistake, you made this funny face. Yeah. <laughs> i said really and he said yeah, yeah you, you do this like i don't know what it was was something really animated and crazy and i fixed that and i and when i fixed that i i started to learn and i started to teach my students i'd say hey you know if you're never ever set on a bad note always be aware of where the root is with what you're playing over and you know you roll through it with a, like some chromatic licks or something but you really start to arrive now you know i, I would never compare myself to prince ever he could make a mistake sound like a a million bucks. I could probably make it sound about like $50,000, but, um, but that's, that's something that a lot of people don't understand. There's times you're watching these artists, they make mistakes, but you never know.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I I think it was something that he he actually drilled into his his band. If you make a mistake, make it three times. And then the audience think that you meant it.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
2: You know, from, from the outside, I would imagine it would be easy enough to just repeat the mistake, but, then you know if you've learned these chord patterns and you know your wrist wants to go in a certain way i would imagine it's actually quite hard to make the same mistake again isn't it so <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know how <laughs> i don't know how we managed to get uh, people to do that but yeah if if it's a mistake make it three times so uh, you mentioned uh, this sort of place that people go to when they're, they're playing guitar solos
0: yeah
2: where it, is it a fluidity is it a they're open to just where where the sound might go. Because I've, I've heard John Mayer talk about getting into that place. Yeah. And he was always envious when he would see another player sort of close his eyes and off he went. And you can see John Mayer sort of fake it, where he's, he's closed his eyes and he's pretending that he's gone to that zone. And you know he, he actually hasn't. Yeah. But is that something that you guys are familiar with?
0: I've, I've always been a pretty consistently decent player when i would perform um i have had a few fleeting moments of like wow you know everything's going right tonight no matter what i do uh and then you have other nights where it's like oh wow you know like uh something happened to my cable or i broke a string or but um i think there's just some people and you know we have to be i want to mind my words very carefully here uh jimmy hendrix was phenomenal you know i love his music i've had my fi- but you know i used to get really irritated when he would always be taking up half a guitar magazine (laughs) every month you know he was he was still human he made mistakes but there are certain people that could just transcend to this different level of playing um uh i did a just a patreon reaction the other day uh it was a chris stapleton thing with justin timberlake justin timberlake's a good musician man like I was never into end. Can you imagine me listening to NSYNC or uh, the Backstreet Boys? Like, come on now, that would put my estrogen up. But um, he's very talented. But he's not Chris Stapleton at country music. Like Chris Stapleton has that X factor. He, you know, you know, he's a good guitar player, but with his voice, like, listen to his voice. Hmm. Some people, some people have that. I would never ever claim to have ever truly had that. Like some people, very few people would have that. Prince would definitely be one of them.
2: And uh I suppose the the uh solo side of things takes up a lot of when people praise Prince for his guitar playing. But I think his rhythm was was basically untouchable. Because it to, to my ear it's kind of Niles Rod Nile Rogers level and yet Nile can't do solos. Niall can't do a lot of the lead work that, you know, someone like Prince would do. Um was it something that you were surprised by when you you heard the sort of the types and, and styles of guitar that he could he could play uh should we go brian with an eye?
1: yeah i i wasn't necessarily surprised because they you know at the core to all like great r&b and funk players is rhythm and like you know what he presented i mean he was being early on i don't know his whole history uh, you know but uh, early on he's being a front man still playing guitar but, you know, it wasn't as much guitar at the beginning. Like, I think he took it on and off quite a bit. And it was more of like mm-hmm. the front man, I'm singing, someone else will play the guitar. So I knew doing all of that stuff and all the work he put in, um, it wasn't surprising to me that he had incredible rhythm chops, you know. So, and again, that doesn't come a lot, It's you don't hear that on a lot of songs, but you know he could bring it because he, you know, I just, I know he could do it. So i was I was not surprised that he's a great rhythm player
0: i I am enamored by funk guitar players. I'm I'm you know I, I was never I was always uh, a good lead player, technically, really good alternate picker, sweet picker, legato, all that other stuff. Riffer for metal, uh, you know could play a clean course, play, play a bit of jazz stuff. but that that really funky sometimes the 16th note with throwing in different muting. Uh, it just wasn't my thing. I, I I think I told a story in a video one time. Uh, I, I auditioned for like a jazz swing band back in two thousand and five, uh, and it just wasn't my thing. And and the guy who kind of ran it, he was a bit of a dick. He had a, he wasn't a well liked guy. He had a, some personality issues, but at the same time, I learned a lot from him. But at the end, he just said, he just said you're too tight, and he didn't mean it like being tight with the band is good. But he meant it like there's no like groove and flow with you. It's just very. And he was right, you know, it, it was just never my thing. But like, so when I see people like friends, or even I've seen some videos of Jesse Johnson play, like it's, I'm, I'm watching them going, man, like that, that is, I, I did a, a thing, uh one of our friends, Mark, he had me do a reaction to a Corey Wong funk instructional. It was just amazing watching those guys play. I, I have improved at it, but you're never going to see me play in a funk band. Not because I wouldn't want to at this point, I'm open-minded enough to, but just it's, <laughs> those guys are awesome. I, I really enjoy watching
2: yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. In, in, it is the bedrock of, of a certain type Ugh. of music uh, that they've come up through. And I often sort of nowadays, when I, I read the immediate Jimi Hendrix comparison, which I think is is more physical, uh, certainly because Prince played to the sort of fashions of Hendrix throughout the years. Um, the Santana uh, comparison, I get that. Uh, I, I don't think it's the major one for me. I hear a lot of uh, Eddie Irvin from uh, the, you know, uh, funkadelic and, and those sorts of uh, bands, and I hear a lot of like sort of Ike Turner in the the rhythm playing, you know, the mm-hmm. tightness of that rhythm. Well, I get that. Which, yeah, which I think you know they're not names that sell magazines necessarily as much as if you if you drop uh, Hendrix or Santana. So I get why people do the comparisons. Um, that rock and roll uh, hall of fame clip that sort of has brought a lot of people to prince and the guitar side of of his music do you remember what the first reaction video was that you uh stumbled across or were given and started the journey whoever can remember first i suppose (laughs)
1: i well i'll speak first but i don't remember first but i do remember like hitting upon it just as like i love prince you know to in a very mild sense of that uh and i just i'll have to look back and see but i i don't remember it's i've done like 80 and i'm sure brian mm-hmm. has done probably that many
2: you know you gotten... you're, you're roughly the same in in oh, wow. number of videos it's it's about 75 each okay. yeah, oh. uh, uh, been published
1: I was going to say quickly is I didn't want to say that Prince, I see Prince as like uh, influenced a lot by Hendrix or Santana. I was just saying, like, I thought it was great that he plays those songs. Like mm-hmm. that's kind of what I was trying to say. So just to be, yeah, if, sure. I, yeah. I I would never compare him. Like he was trying to be like Carlos Santana. I guess he just maybe mentioned it in an article, like he liked what he was doing or something. So, yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: My my first reaction with Prince it was the Hall of Fame solo, and I watched it and I was amazed. But I and I still even to this day, you guys, we had a quick chat before we started recording this video. Like, it kind of haunts me now. Like I think back to the '80s, my education was what was on TV and 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 uh, and also my guitar magazines. I I don't have any recollection of Prince ever being mentioned in the '80s or into the early '90s in any serious context in any of the guitar magazines i i have i have vague memories purple rain when it came out i i, I remember seeing pictures of him with the motorbike and the and the and the, and the telly over his shoulder uh maybe the, the intro of when doves cry i think i might have so I, like i wasn't i was surprised but i wasn't like there was something in the back of my head saying no no he did play guitar but i i just in the 80s i remember like like it was, he was singing and dancing. He he wasn't doing a lot of guitar stuff. The stuff I saw, in the music videos and stuff. So, but that kind of haunts me to this day. Like, why did I not know he he was the guitar player that he was? I I I don't know. It still kind of haunts me a little bit. I've, I've done a lot of soul
1: searching
2: over. Yeah, there. yeah. And it's I, it's sorry.
1: I, I was just gonna say quickly that the intro to When Doves Cry is what I was like. Yeah, the octaver and just kind of overdriven sound I was like that's cool and so I, I just loved guitar so I was like that's what kind of started for me I'm 55 so Purple Rain came out was an enormous thing you know like the movie and you know um, I I probably didn't love it but I remember uh, when Dove's Cry and being like man that's some killer guitar playing and just a great sound that you wouldn't hear on any other thing especially from someone that wasn't like a, a hard rock player, or whatever, or even consider a guitar player. I, and uh, yeah. yeah, so I, I remember
0: it must have been '84. I remember eating lunch in, in my elementary school, and this one kid, his name was steven He he spilled some grape juice on his shirt, and he said, "Oh my God, I have a purple stain on my shirt." And he was kind of all upset. And this guy Martin, who was always a smartass, started saying, "Purple stain, you know." So that's one of my memories that i have about <laughs> purple rain back you know when i was 11 or whatever it was so
2: yeah you know you've permeated the uh, public consciousness when, mm-hmm. when that happens
1: <laughs> I, so, I have a question can i ask a question
2: really yeah quick? of course yeah have yeah. you
1: watched the purple rain movie recently
2: yes yeah yeah it's tough I, isn't it
1: I can't I don't get it <laughs> so I'll I'll say a story from my when that came out I was in my teens or whatever yeah I mean I was like 16 or whatever and I was always pissed in a way because everyone all the girls I knew loved that movie and were in love with Prince and I was just like again he's a great guitar player and he dances or whatever and I just watched that movie back then and I was like this is unwatchable and so we my girlfriend and I watched it recently and I go <laughs> it's unwatchable to me as much as i love prince i was like it just seems like uh he obviously matured into a lot of things but that one's kind of interesting mm-hmm. to watch and i i didn't think i didn't remember it at all um and the end yeah, part yeah. like they're playing for like 15 minutes mm-hmm. or something anyway interesting movie so, so yeah
2: you've you've watched it recently haven't you
1: uh yeah so On that note, so I, uh,
0: one of my loves is I collect DVDs and Blu-rays, but good stuff. I don't, I don't like a lot of the movies out there. Uh, Solitary Adventure and I, we've, we've had in-depth conversations about movies, TV shows. I'm very particular. Uh, You know, I think a lot of stuff out there now is junk, but I, and, you know, I don't pay full price for, you know, I remember getting the movie, The Joker, at a pawn shop a few years ago, and it still had the Walmart $35.00 price tag on it and i bought it at the pawn shop for a dollar canadian so it's about 12 cents american Brian, um so uh i'm like somebody paid this much money so anyway to make a long story short last fall fall of 2021 we were out okay i live in I, i'm in canada but I'm in, I'm in quebec and we're kind of i'm not going to say out in the booties but it's somewhat remote but we went we went for this nice fall drive the the, the leaves were changing it was wonderful and everything And we were in this little town, and we stopped, and there was a yard sale. And I looked through the yard sale bin, and Purple Rain was one of the movies. I said, hey, I want to get this. I want to get it and watch it. This is before my first reaction video, by the way. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. So I I think I paid a quarter Canadian for it, which would be about 11 cents American bread. So uh, anyway, uh, the first time I watched it, it was after I did uh, – I watched it and I posted about it, but this time, I, there were some people that were Prince fans kind of watching my channel and I just said, but through everyone kind of guiding me and talking about it, the first time it was unwatchable. I got, I, I really struggled to get about halfway through and I remember looking at my partner and I remember saying to her, I said, like, is it just me or do I want to turn this off? She said, no, let's turn it off. <laughs> but I went back later on and I, I got through it. I actually enjoyed it. You know, Prince is amazing at many things. I'm not going to say that acting, is one of them, but yeah. you know, if you could get through that, and just you know, say, hey, it's his first foray into this. Um, uh, but I, I got it, and I, and I enjoyed it, and I, I'll be honest to you, at the time in that movie, I thought Wendy was very, very hot. Yeah,
2: yeah. So, I, I stopped uh, recommending Purple Rain to people about five or six years ago, because I, I rewatched it. I think they had a, an evening for Prince uh, when he died uh, on on British TV. And of course, Purple Rain's like the centerpiece of you know three hours of documentaries. Then we're going to give you Purple Rain. It doesn't play well in a, in a modern world, you know, with the misogyny and you know some yeah. of the things that are going on. It's yeah. it's a relatively dark movie, and the original script apparently was even darker, which I don't even want to know what where that would have gone and how that would have flown. But I think yeah. it it speaks to a, a bigger thing in in so. Uh, An analogy that I've used is that I jumped on the Prince treadmill at in 94 at the age of 14. And I have exactly the same experience as every other Prince fan from 94 onwards, because I was absorbing the music and seeing the shows as they happened. But there was only so much that you could garner because it was kind of pre internet. It certainly wasn't the internet that we have now where everything's the touch of a button. So it was, it was one of the few ways that you could see Prince live outside of, you know, the concert films. So I think it held a lot more sway for, for fans of, of my sort of era because it, it was just Prince doing a live performance and, and on the biggest stage of all on the, the, the silver screen. I think it's different now when you can go on YouTube and you can just type in Prince HD, you know, uh, somewhere between four and 20 minutes you can filter right down and you can get these amazing solos that if it wasn't for you know him passing would still be under lock and key and you know i think that there's a real irony there that the way that i became a fan is not necessarily a route that will capture people in the same way now now that he's passed but we've got this other route with rock and roll hall of fame clip and you know just go on youtube type prints and guitar and suddenly you 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 get the route that is more your your guy's route yeah. where you've gone almost backwards in his career uh yeah. in terms of the video
0: you know you know Chris, so, actually I, sorry I, I gotta ask um, you a question i've been meaning to ask you this question for a long time but when did you you know get the home pc with internet capabilities like when when did you start getting into the internet
2: uh I I would imagine it's about 92 93 like yeah. because I had a I had a 14k broadband uh wasn't even broadband it was a modem so I was doing you know uh the old form of of bulletin boards the bbs and boards was text based yeah but see I well, think I'm right a, there I'm a geek so
0: but I think <laughs> yeah. right there I got to the heart of something okay mm-hmm. Because I was late to the internet barbecue. I mean, you know, when I was in college, I had to learn about modems and and, and all that other stuff. I didn't get an actual PC with, uh, you know, internet capability till 99, where I think you were into that early. And I think that also, and the BBS boards and all that stuff. So I think that's also helped nurture your knowledge about Prince and and exposure to him those years before I had any access to that.
2: Is that what you're saying? I think it's fair to say. I mean, obviously it was, it was always a resource, wasn't it? And yeah. it was a technology that he was quite early to jump on mm. and was quite innovative with, you know, exactly. at the, at the turn of the, the late nineties into the early two thousands, he had a, a version of uh, basically iTunes called the MPG music club where you paid a subscription and he would in some instances, you know, upload the, the song he'd worked on the day before. Yeah. So it was quite right. a, a fantastic uh, thing, but those bulletin boards. Uh, there was a, a news group concept where you would go on, and you would filter down by subject. And I remember prints and alt.binaries. Binaries was the like download equivalent. Dot uh, music They were they were sort of staples where you would go, and we would get the early bootlegs. And, you know, this is something that when the internet came along, the internet proper mm-hmm. with, you know, Netscape Navigator and the browser, it it was able to be built upon because there was already this foundation of this is what the fans do and this is how we swap the music. So the advent of the internet basically is just the advent of bootlegging for me. You know, the, yeah. this, is, this is the prints that I know more than the studio prints.
0: Yeah, and you know, you've you've shared a lot with me, and it's just you know, I would never ever call you the ultimate Prince fan. I did it kind of tongue in cheek, while ago we got some flack for that. But yeah, uh, you know, I I like it's just amazing this, the things you've shared with me, like your files and documentation and, and how. Uh, but I meant to ask you that for a long time because I think part of my ignorance with Prince was due to the fact that I was late to the internet barbecue. I did as I said, '99 was when I got my first. Mm-hmm home pc with an actual you know it was dial up but i you know i had that was my first actual uh, exposure to having access to the internet
2: yeah yeah i think it would have been a totally different career that he had if we, if we had something like the internet around yeah. where could he have built that enigma that he, he nurtured so well yeah. yeah if you know anyone could just throw a clip of him up at a restaurant or yeah. you know so <laughs> it's it's an interesting uh alternate universe that we go into um, Brian with an eye mentioned something at the very start where you said that you just bought a, a wah pedal uh, yeah. on the back of, of of that have you tried to do any of the, the Prince playing or incorporate it into the, the playing that you do
1: uh, not into my own playing but for fun I've been working on like five or six like pieces of music from Zappa from Prince like and then do little silhouette things over it for my own benefit not for I mean, I'll put them up. But um yeah, I mean, I just kind of that's a huge leap to to try to do some of that music. And no matter how great you do it, I won't be doing it incredibly well. I'll be, but I like I also like to say, hey, this is where I'm at as a player and like it or leave it, criticize me or whatever, but I'll put it up there and or maybe I won't if I can't get it to that point. But as far as incorporating into the music I play. Um, yeah, I don't play. Uh, basically, my stuff is kind of like, uh, like a prog, kind of thing. Um, but I thought I just had to buy the wall just for fun because I was like, I uh, try to buy a good, like a piece of equipment, not original, but you know something that like Prince used or, or like Trey Anastasio or Tony Iommi or whatever, <clears throat> and that just just for me. It's kind of like a collectible kind of fun but, thing. But but Brian, you're you're talking
0: about a wah pedal, not the whammy pedal, right? No,
1: just the wah pedal. Okay. So it's an inductorless wah. Okay. That Color Sound made, and so wahs have the inductor. I'm not sure how it's different, but it's just like a um, uh, it it it's got a really wide um, sweep. And I'm not sure, the one he had, and I've talked to other people, there's a, I have a follower who lives in Germany, showed me his whole setup, and he has, like, a Prince And it's not, like, original, like, to the, you know, not everything. But he sent me a bunch of clips of him doing stuff from The Undertaker, like the sounds, not the songs. And, you know, Prince was using that Zoom uh, rack mount thing, that had like a whammy pedal in it and stuff. Yeah, yeah. But it right. also had this weird wah sound in it. So I'm not sure exactly. I haven't I'm maybe the solitary adventure can kind of chime in. I'm not sure where he used the color sound, wah, but after I heard that, there was one where the sweep was so wide, mm-hmm. um, it reminded me of like uh, another wah that I had. And I was like, "Morley." Oh, I gotta buy one. Hmm? Is it No, no, no. It was that uh, Taiko Brahe, that Iron Bell that Tony Ayelmi used like in the late 80s or 70s. Super weird wide sweep. Anyway, um, I haven't even, uh, uh, I bought it from Macari's in in England and I haven't even opened the box yet. I don't, I'm almost afraid to.
0: (laughs) But with
1: with his regular
0: Wawa, when he would just use it, I don't, I'm not, I don't know. I, you know, again, too, like, you know, I have a growing YouTube channel. I do get a lot of correspondence from people sending me stuff, sending me print stuff, whatever. Uh, I've always been a Dunlop guy. Uh, You know, I know a Morley seems to have a little bit more sweep than a Dunlop, but um, I'm not sure what the actual
1: brand of regular was that he would use back in the day. Was it a Dunlop? I think so. Um, He also had this thing. It looked like this Ibanez Voodoo Wa or something. He had this weird big pedal. Now, I, I've looked at as many pictures of his pedal board as I could, and I'm not, I don't think I'm correct, but you do see the color sound occasionally. And then um, he was using the whammy pedal, but it, and during that Undertaker, he was using this Zoom rack mount with a, a pedal, like, a, you know, to to do the wah sound, or the, the, the pitch bend or whatever the type stuff. When, and it's when he, wild. I mean, when he's...
0: When he used the whammy pedal and I I was like, holy that's a Dunlop whammy pedal that he's using. Dunlop or digitech? Digitech. Digitech, yeah, sorry. Um that blew me away. I thought that was progressive. Like it's not something you'd see like a lot of blues or funk players use. You uh, know, the, the the most famous user in my memory would be Dimebag Daryl from Pantera. Yeah. Of course, again, his memorial, he he was murdered the same day, uh on the same date, not the same year, but the same date, just it was December 8th. Um he was shot on stage too i don't know if the solitary adventure knows about that story but that was something but um anyway uh that blew me away he was i'm like man he's using a whammy pedal like this guy was kind of ahead of his time with a well, lot of and he was very unique that, that i remember being very very surprised at that
1: i i often comment because you know he uses basically just the boss standard pedals like the flanger the delay the blues yeah. driver the super distortion and the flanger, you know, when he hits it at the end of a song and it's that kind of swirling. He like, likes that dynamic, it's like, yeah. It's his thing. <laughs> and I always get a huge kick out of that. Yeah, but, like, he gets a massive sound. Those pedals are not my favorite as far as that kind of stuff. But uh, but he, what I will say, though, is he takes them and they're very, they're they're indestructible. But yeah, he kind of pulled out stuff out of them that I would think most people wouldn't be able to do. Like, yeah. like a, a great, really great big massive sound without it being too bright, or you know, all of those things you get like with a lot of boss stuff that yes, it's great at certain things, but there's just like the distortion stuff, not so much. Yeah. So when,
0: when we talked with Susan Rogers, uh she told us a story about the the guy at the time with the big who's designing the big guitars I, I, you know, if I was a betting man, I would bet that it was Bob Bradshaw because he was the one at that time. He yeah. was the big name and he was designing that, you know, $10,000 Bradshaw switching racks and stuff. And they hired him to come in and get it all set up or something and get it working and Prince like, what what did she say? She's he like, just looked at it, stepped in a couple of things and put his guitar down and he... walked out of the room or something.
2: Yeah, I mean, the guy had spent all day putting this thing together. And then Prince came in and he said, played a couple of notes and then said something like, and what happens when I want to change to you know, a funk sound uh, in the middle of playing? And the guy was like, no, you you program in the sequence that you want and how long it lasts. And he just took the guitar off and did it over, walked out, told someone, get rid of him, send him home. Because he was in the moment. It was, he was yeah. never going to do it to to rote you know yeah
0: and you know uh scotty baldwin told us something too he said that prince was okay with technology but if it got to the point where he was overwhelmed yeah yeah i I, you know that's one of the specific things i remember scotty telling us but uh yeah
2: and i think as a as a fan it's probably not the worst thing in the world that he was he was reluctant to change too far from what he knew his, his tool set because i can pick any song from the career and his voice didn't really leave him towards the end his playing style evolved you know he got more proficient in certain ways where I can I can pick a song from 2011 I can throw it on an album from 1983 and the only thing that's really different is the production you know uh, spend on it that they're not produced in the same way so I've got one final question on Prince um, you know before we cover some other bits and pieces um but i suppose it's it's interesting to to me for me to see that you guys are doing these reactions and i feel if it was me doing the reactions i'd i'd want to go straight down the rabbit hole of listening to all of the studio material yeah but i understand that you know you, you can't necessarily do that have you uh, obviously Brian with an eye has has got you know, some, uh, history of, of listening to the the later eighties albums, but what's, what's your feeling on going into a, a, a studio catalog that is, you know, 40 albums deep. Whoever wants to take that first.
1: Yeah, I have not done that. I mean, I, I'd like to, I, um, it's kind of one of these things, like you do these videos, Brian can contest or attest to this as well. And, you know, I watch a lot of stuff. So I'm watching all these bootlegs that come out that like we are all watching and try to discover new things. And I'm always excited if I do something that someone's like, wow, I never heard that version or him even doing that. And I was like, you know, so that's kind of fun. But as far as like listening, I, I don't listen to anything I do on the channel of my my channel. I mean, I listen to basically extreme metal most of the time, and I go to throwbacks to like fusion or like classic rock, but I mostly listen to pretty like extreme metal.
0: Well, when you say that, who do you mean? Are we talking about deicide or like?
1: Um... Uh, not, not Like blood incantation. Okay. Um, I'm into a lot of black metal and atmospheric black metal. Okay. Um, I, I wouldn't have guessed that, right? <laughs> I, I just... I just know I mean heard. I'm I'm I you know I grew up listening like I said as a kid, I was listening to um I loved all guitar, but it was mostly like 80s hair, you know, like scorpions, mm-hmm. uh rat and that kind of stuff. I'm a little old for that, but I quickly got out of that and I still love Black Sabbath, my favorite band of all time. Mm-hmm. Listen to that a lot. But I kind of went into more guitar stuff. And what we were talking about Prince's like rhythm work. You know, I got into funk playing because like um, listening to Jeff Beck on Blow by Blow, I forget what it is, oh, like is—constipated yeah. Duck or something. There's some song where he's doing some great line that's like a funk line. And I was like, wow. And then I went into Parliament, really got into funk players and all of that. And Prince didn't really figure into that. I, I'm not sure. I think it was literally, like I said, when "Dub's cry, hearing that intro. And I was going to say maybe... Um, I think it was because I have MTV like that, that's why I know who Prince is to be honest like that was the origin for me and it's Ducks Cry and then probably Purple Rain and um, yeah just remember that being like wow that's a killer guitar sound and for me like I've said I've always tried to uh, look for the most adventurous player and it's not always like an extreme thing but when I get Heard Prince, and I was like, "Wow, that's someone that is interesting to me." And I probably never took it any further than that, till I met this girl in like, like late eighties, and then it was sign of the times. So,
0: you know, one thing I'd like to say, uh, as we're kind of winding this topic down, um, I've morphed with these Prince reaction videos. You know, I still do them, uh, but I'm I'm really getting into our interviews. You know, we we, you and I together collectively, and also me separately, like done some interviews with some really interesting people in the music. uh, uh, So it kind of morphed for me about just Prince. Oh, oh, guitar! Let's watch him play guitar in the Hall of Fame. But it kind of morphed because then he's not a normal person. You know, like he has this rich history, all these characters in his background that have come and go, from bands, you know, management, sound, um, but it's kind of more for me now like I, I i'm more of the inside kind of thinking like i'll watch now and and when we talked to scotty it was just it was just amazing it wasn't just amazing talking to him but it's hearing the two of you talk was amazing but i look at it now as a performer who has worked for some slave drivers and i maybe some people would say when they worked for me i was somewhat of a slave driver i don't know i had my expectations of people when they're being paid to perform but there's a lot of times like i th- i'll, I'll with Prince I'll be like what was he like to work with I figured out yeah. very quickly he would have been very demanding right yeah. sometimes I'll put myself in that you know he would have hated my funk playing anyway he just would have put the guitar down and left the room if I started playing funk but uh if I was playing for him often I would think well what would it have been like like there's just something so fascinating I find about him uh than I do with a lot of other artists and bands out there there's just there's just more depth with him. As I said, you hmm. could pick another band. Let's even say like Metallica, you know, they, they just came out announced this new world tour. Uh, their, their biggest VIP package is $7,200 us. Um, you know, I did a video about it, you know, Metallica will always have a special place in my heart, but if someone got into Metallica and they did some research within a few weeks, you could probably find out and kind of learn everything you needed to know about them, their history, their background, yeah. Prince, it never ends. And then I get into the, the, you know, uh, Morris day in the time. And I'm like, I know I got to learn about these guys. So that whole minneapolis thing it's very it's, it's i think it's just an ongoing study i made a joke a while ago it might have been during a patreon chat where i said you know my education on prince now is now i'm at grade two yeah but often i'll think what was he like to work for i just what was it like behind the scenes working for him i just sometimes that tends to preoccupy me and when i do my reactions there's times i get so into what he's doing and i get thinking about it so much that i'm like i realize, oh my god the camera the red lights on okay yeah so uh Uh, So anyway, that's a compliment. I get really into watching some of those videos that I kind of forget where I'm at. You know, it's kind of like the National Geographic photographer. He's filming the lion running at him. And then he kind of realizes, wait,
2: wait a second. (laughs) There's a lion running at me. (laughs) Exactly.
0: Just wanted to (laughs) throw that in too.
2: Yeah. I often marvel at the the lifestyle that came with being a band member. (sighs) Yeah. You know, this lack of sleep, the (laughs) incessant rehearsals, then... You know, we'll do a gig. We'll do an after show. I mean, he—I wouldn't say he owned people, but he certainly got his his money's worth on a, an hourly basis uh, from from what he was paying them. But well, it speaks to me at the sort of level of musician that he had that these guys were able to do it on. You know, three hours sleep yeah. at the drop of a hat, he could hit them with on the one and solo from you know whoever it might be. So it, it I think it's uh, it would have been a real test. I think for for anyone. You know, and I understand why they they refer to it as like the sort of the Paisley University. You know, I I don't need qualifications. I went through Paisley Park. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I I think, think, uh,
1: uh, sorry. Oh, I was just going to say that. I think, yes, he was probably very dictatorial and maybe even brutal. But if you're like that and there's no good, side, or, you know, not even like, I think it would probably be it. If you, you either made it or you did it, like, there's no, like, in between. Like, so I think he would have driven you really hard. And I think that makes you either rise up to it and then, you know, you oh, yeah. get the reward of that. Yeah. But he had to have great qualities otherwise to, to keep you coming. Because, you know, I, I just think you would move on. Like, you do your, you know, like a Frank, Frank Zappa thing. You, yeah. you do a year, say, hey, I was in the Frank Zappa band and you move on, you know, because you can only do it for so long, but a lot of those people were in Prince's band for a long time, yeah. and doing all those shows three hours is insane, and then doing an after-hour show for a couple hours, yeah. and then waking up and doing it all over again is just oh, yeah. unfallable yeah. for me. And the big question, too, is, yes, it would be great
0: to say on your musical resume say, yeah, I played for Prince, but if a potential new employer contacted Prince for a reference on you, would he give you a good one? Yeah. For a good referral. That's another question. I, I'm kind of off the wall with the thoughts that go through my head about it.
2: It'd be interesting if we, if we get to speak to a band member, you know, did they ever find out that he, they, they got a call from behind the scenes, you know, the reference idea. It would be interesting. <laughs> Very I, much I so. I find, that. Uh, yeah, that that sort of, that that sheer work ethic is what keeps me entertained because you know all the studio albums i, I kind of know them like the back of my hand now oh, so yeah you know the, I, the bootleg side of things keeps it interesting but this this chronology of you know he he literally just gave every single day of his life to trying to create something new and and perfect the craft
0: yeah
2: is is just uh amazing to me
0: i i wanted to say too because we talked about it with brian a little bit but i had an interesting post um one of the things I always tried to do when I started my channel was answer every comment. Uh, but then as your channel grows, you know, our good friend, Mark, uh, he told me months ago, he said, dude, like some days I would spend three hours in the morning trying to, he just said, dude, you're going to get to that point. But um, so I'm a little more selective sometimes from the ones I'll answer, but uh, I got one from my good friend, Sean Gill, I think was his name. I know he'd been kind of watching my channel for a while. Maybe he might watch Brian's he's a Prince fan. He said, you know, you watch, you do the Prince reaction for the views. And, but then he said, he said, in it, he said, I don't understand how you couldn't just be obsessed with listening and going through his back catalog. Cause he's such a talent. So, you know, I find it's, this is kind of hollow what you're doing. And I don't know if I'm going to watch anymore or something. And I wrote him back. I said, I said, I thank you for posting, but I said, you're actually wrong. You know, I didn't get into it with him. Um, but you and I discussed this. So I, I did, I did buy a couple of the best of Prince albums, I listen to them sometimes, you know, I I tend to listen to more of my music when I'm at the gym or doing my cardio. Um, But the problem is if you, if you you do a legitimate reaction, but you've already heard it, it's not legitimate anymore. So I'm in a weird spot. Sometimes it's like, you know, like there's a lot I would like to do, but I can't because I, I, again, it's about being honest with people. Like there's some reaction videos, I'm sure that are contrived and, but I, I really, I don't want to be like that. So I I have to, once I've seen the song and, and, and I've done a reaction to it, then I can allow myself to enjoy it and listen to it again, whatever. But I have to be very careful. I'm treading a careful line with that. So Sean, I appreciate you posting, but that's not really accurate what you were saying.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think uh, if we carry on down the interview route, though, there'll be certain people where there's, it's almost part of the prep work, isn't it, to to go listen to a certain it's, drummer and that kind of stuff.
0: It's going so to have I, I wonder, to be at some point, yeah.
2: I wonder if there's a, a nice middle ground that can be met there, where you know you maybe film the reaction to the listen to the prep.
0: There's that too.
2: It's it's like you double up on the uh, the output. Yeah. Um, so I think you know, unless anyone's got anything else to say about Prince, I think we've we've uh, <laughs> spoken quite a lot about him. So well, the other, I, uh, I
1: I would like to say one other thing. Sorry, not to interrupt sure. you. No, no, no. That's <laughs> but okay. I was like, I think it's so great. This is the part that I personally enjoy, is that uh, like we're saying, I've met people from all over the world, and now talking to them, you know, live or you know via Zoom, and I think that's kind of the coolest thing ever that I would have never expected, and yeah. I. Uh, talk to people on the phone not the prince end of things but other things i do and i think it, it is uh when you're talking about earlier about like what brought you to us uh solitary traveling is
2: mm-hmm. uh adventure
1: uh, uh whatever sorry <laughs> but is Christmas that time time yeah sorry yeah. i i'd rather call you by your name but i'm not sure we're supposed to but uh uh, you know, so we're all here talking about this and that is such a cool thing. It that is. It's kind of mind blowing, and and you know, it's even if it's three or four people, it's just anyway, it's just mm. not what I ever thought it would be. It was my hope, yep. but you know,
2: I it, think it's it's something that I see a lot with with Prince fans is that it, it almost becomes like a, a belief system that you you have to indoctrinate everyone around you that prince is the greatest artist who ever lived and you 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 should know this too and i've mellowed a lot in that uh in the you know the last like 10 or 15 years where it's not for me to say because i also think the age that you come to music has a lot like the music during sort of adolescence is the music that probably means the most to you for your whole life Uh, and i i think everyone goes through that so if you're you know in in a different stage of life, and then you you come across Prince. You can't dedicate the, you know, hundred and fifty hours that it might take to to go down the rabbit hole. So I've I've mellowed, but also I try not to listen to a lot of Prince music these days, which you know might take people by surprise. Because if all I did was listen to Prince, I'd have no yardstick. I have no judgment. Yeah, and I need to hear what other people did, and the people who, you know, maybe I miss them. So I, I go back and I, I go through that back catalogue. Like I went through uh, Bowie's after he died. I don't get it. I, I, you know, I picked maybe 11, 12 songs out where I thought, okay, you know, there's something re-listenable in, in that. But a lot of it just went over my head because I hadn't hit it at the right age. You know, it, I hadn't absorbed it in the right way where it was maybe getting released and I could, I could take a month two months re-listening over and over to the albums. But I get it, um, but it's it seems to be something unique with Prince people. Maybe it's the makeup of every concert that we went to. It was every size, every color, every, you know, every gender. Everyone was there, and the common denominator took away all the differences, that we were just there for a Prince show. And I think that comes across that people want people to get on board. You know, we're on this great train, yeah. you with us yeah.
1: well what I'll say about Prince fans is like but everyone has been really generous and thoughtful like on the other ends of things because both Brian and I I, I mean I'm here for guitar players like that's the, that's the crux of my thing like I'm going to talk about great players um, that are new to me or old to me or whatever but um, I have other kind of uh, segments of my follow you know subscribers that are not as gregarious or not as nice about it or they're like more like, wow, you should do this and this you know a lot of demands and it's kind of funny that this is the other part about doing this is like I never thought there'd be all this pressure to <laughs> to try to keep everyone happy or try, yeah. which is obviously impossible it <laughs> is cannot...
0: yeah believe me, I, I learned that and uh so really, for the most part, nine out of ten times, I try to keep my reactions to my patrons. That so if they're, if they're in my Patreon, I'm gonna. Li- but even with my patrons, sometimes I like, get you know if people are sending me lists of 30 songs. It's like, dude, <laughs> like one man show here. I don't have a production crew like Rick Beato. Um, yeah. uh But uh, you'll get that, and then uh, uh, and then you'll get emails from people sending you lists of you should react to this, this, this. Sometimes oh 20, goodness. 30 in an email, and you're like. <laughs> <laughs> you know it's not that i don't like you or i don't appreciate that you took a half an hour to write me i just yeah. i i can't there's only so many hours in the day that you know uh, maybe for some people where they they can make who do happen to make the switch where they have a few hundred thousand subscribers and they make their living full time from youtube maybe but uh but you just do the best you can but i find it's you know uh again uh solitary adventure has been a great friend i always yeah. When I was younger, I thought I knew everything. Now I don't think I know everything. Sometimes he's one of the people that I trust to bounce an idea or a concept off of and Say, "What do you think?" or "Maybe should I do this?" or, uh, but yeah, you're you're, you're going to find, and as your channel continues to grow, yeah, you're not going to be able to keep everybody happy.
1: Well, I know that already, and I <laughs> I I um I mean I guess when I started doing it, it was like with no real big intent, and then you know gets a little bit bigger, and then. I did realize the hard way, like, you know, I did, like, I was doing weeks of, like, Prince's Week. Actually, that was really fun. I did, like, whatever, maybe 14, like, two a day. That's absurd. Like, yeah. <laughs> And everyone's like, you can't do that. And I was like, I'm going to try because I have the time and I want to do it. Yeah. But that has not led to, I guess, why I, I I'm not doing it for no reason. Because, yeah, I want to get more subscribers, I guess. And my whole intent was to do this where... Maybe you get some equipment to try out. Like I really wanted to do demos at first. I don't think that's very, you know, on the horizon for me, but I thought there'd be some benefits to doing this. And the benefits turned out to be, like I said, different. It's more like relationship driven or that kind of stuff. Not like, you know, you get to the point where someone says, hey, try my guitar out and give it a, you know, what? let me know what you think of it kind of thing. And that just takes a whole nother level of production, that yeah, I, I am uh, <laughs> able to do.
0: No, and you know, I I was when I I had my interview with Rob Arnold from Camara last week. He he has a really good YouTube channel. Uh, you know, uh, his band they were, they, you know, they hit a certain peak. Yeah. They were touring with Slayer and 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 stuff, but then they kind of imploded and the whole thing. But he told me he said when I got into YouTube just in the past couple years, I think partially because of the pandemic, people yeah. had time on their hands. You know, people might have been getting. Ben, you know like government benefits because they couldn't work like so like well what am i going to do well i mean people then had the time to take on the learning curve of youtube learning about production he said the problem is the production standard has is so high now like brian if you had your channel 10 years ago you'd probably already be at seventy thousand subscribers yeah you know what i mean like it's it's just it's um it's an interesting thing about youtube but the thing is i i'll keep doing it as long as i love it uh yeah. my big thing this year is i've been sick <laughs> and my patrons and my like this has been the most bizarre without getting a conspiracy theories about being sick and i remember where i live there's always something that throws a wrench into it you know i was trying to make a, a reaction video today to something i forgot to press record yesterday so i tried to redo it today and then the battery ran out and i'm like oh my god but back in april you know i'm here working right you know and i look out one day there's 30 construction workers out there you know they're for three months i had backhoes (laughs) uh dump trucks steamrollers, 30 people walking by the window uh, because they were redoing the water mains and ripping up the main road so i'm like what am i gonna do i'm gonna have to shoot all my videos on the weekend and at night now like there's always and i said that in my what did i learn my one year of youtube video you're going to have curveballs you know it's 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 a really interesting thing but what makes it all worthwhile to me is you're right i met some amazing people like i rusty cooley is one of my favorite guitar players if someone would have told me two years ago you'll have a youtube channel you'll be interviewing rusty cooley and you're going to be texting each other i would have laughed my ass off yeah you know like i've met wonderful people i've met chris i've met i have a a really awesome patreon family i and, and and even beyond patreon and just the people in the comments or the emails i get i've had some people say hey you know what man i'm going through a really shitty time but your channel really makes me laugh or i really enjoy what you do and you're like wow this person's from like yeah. south africa this is really <laughs> weird
1: yeah hmm. that's cool
0: yeah
2: yeah so i mean i had one other question which was just the the other crossover uh which is Polyphia and elite batar uh, yeah. both videos that you've you've uh you've you've covered um any sort of observation on when a new artist suddenly comes to you and then you see this this uh, reaction from from the comments section
1: well with polyphia i've known about him for a long time but i was like you know i was just like if you're going to do a guitar driven channel those two guys tim and scott are like driving guitar players now like kids that are 14 or whatever are seeing them and they're like uh but That sucks for us older guys that, you know, you would shed for a long time and not be as good as some. So now the, the keeps, the internet has pushed the advancement of technique on guitar and probably all other instruments through the ceiling, but I'm like, you have to have them. And I I like their concept. Um, Again, that's not something I would listen to in my car per se, but I love checking it out and all of that. And I just, uh, the elite bata like someone suggested that a few times and i saw that brian did it and i was like i didn't really know what what i was getting into a little bit and i did it and obviously that like doubled my channel like yeah. in a couple of mm-hmm. days but i i kind of uh, with that kind of thing um with polyphia and like some like that new metallica song i did that i try to do some of those things that maybe it catches a wave and you know you grow a little bit and yeah you know, you attract people that are going to like it more. That has not kind of panned out. The uh, Polyphia, yes, but like Metallica and, and you know, um, I'm trying to think of some of those other, like uh, Jason Richardson, these kind of hotshot guitar players, nobody watches them. Yeah. So yeah. I basically took down about 200 videos that nobody watched, you know, because I was like, if nobody, if they've got a couple hundred views at this point uh you know i'm just taking them down (laughs) so wow but i love um polyphia that's definitely one of those bands that um i'm excited about to see what they do next so from a guitar
2: and is is there anyone else that you're you're thinking of uh going down the rabbit hole video wise
1: well i saw this other really like this indonesian kid i forget his name i I just finger yes (laughs) and he's, amazing. he's killer Holy like sh- that guy is like amazing
0: yeah
1: a touch wise feeling wise and the music holds up and you know it's definitely i'm not a dream theater like like technical metal guy per se i love guitar but just musically it's not exciting to me but um i'm interested to do he does a version of fred which is a, a tony williams song that alan holdsworth was on um so i was going to do that or something you know and he seems good and yeah that's kind of led me down a few places where i wouldn't normally have gone and um yeah uh like what, there's there's a few know. others but i can't uh, i just kind of discovered them in the last week for myself yeah,
0: yeah. i want to say first and foremost uh indonesian uh people that they're very passionate about their country yeah. and they're very passionate and i have to say they they've been extremely kind to me yeah. um uh i could never say enough like i've never been on a plane before but i'm almost at that point i would go on a plane to play a gig in indonesia (laughs) um uh you know and i did do a reaction to that abim finger i had a number of people saying oh you gotta check this and he is like he's coming from a bit more of my school guitar playing yeah amazing guitar player uh and again a young kid you're looking at like um palifia i was a little out of the loop when i was in a different industry for a few years but uh they are amazing they're incredible guitar players Tim Henson and everything there was another band about 10 years ago that came out called animals as leaders the guitar player yeah. Toba amazing Tosin. technical guitar player another band was called Periphery they're mm-hmm. amazing bands like you know I, but when I buy their CD or when I buy their stuff and listen to it for enjoyment I'm weird because I'm a technique guy but I'm a technique guy but I like the technique within the context of a good song i always say a good guitar solo is telling a good story within a good story so uh people might say oh, like wh- what are you talking about like what would be a good example of that um the band testament alex skolnick is one of my favorite guitar players check out the song electric crown it's a really catchy song with a great guitar solo uh i like zach wilde i like some of you know some people might say zach wilde has a few tricks few trick pony but uh i think he's a great guitar player like Uh, randy rhodes listened to the guitar solo in uh um, mr crowley you know so i like a good technical guitar solo but it tells a great story within a great story some of the songs like dream theater is a very interesting band for me i'm hoping at some point to interview john petrucci i might have an insight to do that they kind of lost me after they had images and words and then they had awake and then they started kind of losing me the song is still the most important thing right like Hmm yes the guitar solo purple rain is phenomenal but purple rain is a phenomenal song um but when you have a band and and then the songs are kind of getting sacrificed and then you go just stop and you go into this really technical part just for the sake of being technical it kind of you know another band i really like too is symphony x with michael romeo like he's an amazing guitar player but if you listen to the divine wings of tragedy they're cool songs with cool guitar solos in them uh but technique for just the sake of technique so there's certain sometimes one guitar player i have a love-hate relationship with is aldi miola i love the guitar trio uh, yeah. but it's that constant you know i you know when i'm really in shape i have some would argue really exceptional alternate picking uh not comparing myself to aldi miola but when you're just blasting that all the time sometimes ingvay mom seems like that i'm like it's an ingredient when you're cooking <laughs> throw in a little bit of alternate picking throw in a fast lick but still what's the song like is it a good song i you know I you guys say... talk a lot about jeff Beck. jeff Beck's amazing my favorite yeah. song from jeff Beck is a song called uh, i think it's called badia because it takes you on this crazy journey yeah you know uh if you if you know the song i'm talking about you're listening and going, man that is one of those amazing he's playing that on guitar like that's one of the most amazing songs i've ever heard so i'm i'm kind of weird that way but uh believe are, are awesome i love uh listening to them uh Would I go out and and, and buy them or go see them in concert? Don't know.
1: I probably wouldn't. Uh, I mean, Tosin, I knew about him a long time ago. And that's the stuff that, you know, um, yeah, it just does. It leaves me like, I love the drummers in those bands. And Polyphia, like Clay, the drummer. I mean, they're like, I think the drummers in metal are like the classical musicians of you know the 50s as far as technique like just yeah they are they're like athletes basically and, but uh yeah. i i was gonna mention ld about a guy who never makes a mistake i'm a huge fan of him yeah. and seen him a couple of times and i always think you know he thinks melodically all the time but yeah it's it kind of old or whatever but um yeah i mean but like these younger things like i like uh, this kind of metal adjacent stuff is what i would call like um Tosin and and Pliny or Pliny, all of this stuff, amazing musicians. But I'm not necessarily gonna listen to it because, like what you were saying earlier, Chris, I, I'd be more likely to listen to Black Sabbath, like the record I, you know, Sabbath, you know, Volume Four, like for the eighth millionth time, you know, and love it like I did, you know, 30 years ago. So,
0: yeah. One of the bands that I like that I've done recently was uh, I did a few with uh, uh, the Skull Collector. He's a patron. He's a metalhead. He's the, one of the few metalheads in, in our Patreon community. Uh, Seven Spires. I thought they were quite interesting to listen and watch them. The singer, uh, the mm. whole band was amazing. But you'll, you'll notice in my reaction videos, right, Chris, what do I always look at, even more so than the guitar? What's the drummer like? What's the yeah. drummer yeah. like? The drums yeah. is the backbone. And- yeah. You know, I, I had a hope of doing something for fun, like a little project, around here. It's it's really weird because we live out in the middle of nowhere, and just two houses down is this uh, guy who's become my friend. He, um, I did a cover song uh, a year ago for Aha's "Take On Me," but it's more of a metal shred thing. But he he mastered it for me. He's got a big production company with the lighting and sound. It's so weird. Like, but I said, you know, I miss playing. I wish I could, you know, even but to find a good drummer. I would never. I've been in situations where you play with a drummer that's not very good, and it sucks. I would never ever put myself through that.
2: Hmm. So I'm going to come out with a, a final question, and we'll yeah. we'll uh, go towards wrapping things up.
0: Yeah.
2: Uh, Brian, with an I very quickly was out the blocks with Prince's uh, best lineup, John Blackwell. You know, <laughs> and I I didn't want to interrupt at the time, but I do want to ask the question of all the. The lineups that you guys have seen now through these videos, do you have maybe not a lineup, but you know, what's what's your ideal combination of of players that worked with Prince?
1: Uh, that I would say, uh, I don't know. I love Larry Graham playing bass with Prince, but I don't. That That's... was just kind of an occasional thing, I think, right? But
2: he was in the camp for a long time. Uh, he was on several of the the tours, but okay. yeah, he's he's not. I mean, he, he kind of overlaps a lot with Ronda, you know. Right. Yeah. So
1: I would say Ronda, and then John Blackwell as a drummer, and mm-hmm. I mean, I like the Three Eyed Girl stuff. I mean, I made that pretty clear. Like, I think I, at times I thought, I, I mean, I thought they were my favorite. And but what that really means is because they were so stripped down, it was like. You know two guitars bass and drums and i don't know did they have keyboards ever they might towards
2: the end yeah cassandra o'neill got sort of recruited okay. in because but prince would always I get bored li- with an idea yeah
1: yeah well i just like the idea with him with like minimal people was so mm. cool and he was really at the end there concentrating on playing guitar like that was more of a forefront thing mm. and you know he couldn't do All the moves and all the dancing and stuff, maybe, or whatever it was, maybe it was just the physical thing that he decided to stand more still and play more guitar. And I don't know if that's true, but that's what it seems like. And I just, I love that period of his playing. Yeah. So,
2: yeah, I, I think that is true. Um, he, he certainly uh had a, a great way of putting forward one of his talents yeah. so that you didn't realize that another talent had taken a backseat. And I think you know his transition around two thousand, where suddenly you know he was playing a lot of the lead guitar himself with with no foil. Um, yeah. Was certainly a, a way that he he could cover up the fact that maybe he wasn't able to do the splits and do the dancing. If you could cherry pick any band members, what would your drums, bass, uh, alternate guitarist, keyboardist? can you is that something that you you would be comfortable cherry-picking
1: for prince like as the yeah. ultimate lineup
2: well, well yeah like I said, obviously I with say, him as the lead yep. yeah
1: yeah I, I would say like Rhonda and john blackwell and him and that's it okay <laughs> i mean maybe how do you say the uh keyboard uh renato
2: renato yeah yep. he was
1: amazing yes. but you know uh, so i guess if i had to i'd throw him and because he was uh, technically great, and you know, Maceo, as cool as he is, like he's like from that old school of like James Brown and stuff. It's like, uh, I just, I don't know, I just like him stripped down like that, like you know, the horn section stuff was always cool. I just, <laughs> I just love him playing guitar, you know, and yeah. anything that gets in the way of that is, you know, I don't know, it just doesn't seem necessary when you're that amazing. So, am my, I? Yeah. My,
2: I will disagree with that.
0: Yeah, the the Montreux lineup for me is number one. For those Montreux shows that he had, so it was Blackwell on drums, uh, Renato on keyboards. Uh, and then for me, it was the yeah. 94-ish, 95-ish lineup, Michael Bland on drums. Uh, oh, yeah. I like that lineup. And then I also like Third Eye Girl. They'd probably be my third. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, when we say cherry picking, uh, being from Canada, that means something different. It's a hockey term. But um, a little bit of Canadian humor in there. Okay. Uh, anyway, have moving I along.
2: Said something inappropriate no. <laughs> inadvertently to all the Canucks out there. <laughs> I know.
0: Um, there was a guitar player I really liked, and you know, you know me with names. And I gotta ask you guys. I don't know if it's an age thing because I used to be very good with names and dates and all that. It's kind of like eyesight or something. Like the past few years, I have to start using reading glasses, and noticing yeah. I'm depending on them more and more. I don't know, man. It's uh, yeah. But there was a guitar player, early 90s. They were trying, it was kind of like it must have been around when um uh can't touch this. God, what was his name that did that? Uh, MC Hammer. It was kind of mm-hmm. in that time frame, and that the guy, the some guy came out was rapping, and I was kind of like, What 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 is this? But there's another guitar player, and he played an Ibanez, it was a 540, it was a saber model.
2: So I think it's Levi you. Uh,
0: yes, I think you're right. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So that I, actually, 19, I, early. If 90s, you're talking about Prince. Sorry. I don't argue. I just say okay.
2: <laughs> well, I think so because he he was the bass player in the late '80s, and there was a guy called Mika Weaver doing guitar, a really, you know, very very good guitarist. Yeah. But Levi was originally a guitar player and was yeah. only playing bass because he was asked to. He was quite good. He then he graduated into guitar in in the '90s and was able to you know show his his full talents. Yeah. Yeah. Um...
0: Jesse Johnson was a wicked guitar player too. I, I know this, this. This ticked off a few people, but I would say that like the Revolution were my least favorite out of all the lineups musically. I know this is probably gonna. I'll probably get some death threats in my email now, but just,
2: just being honest, folks. You both will. <laughs> yeah, that's why. That's why I stay anonymous. You both will. <laughs> I think it's it's a real hard one for me to square that circle these days because I understand that all of the commercial peak and all of the, the reason why so many people are Prince fans is because the revolution was that band on that journey, you know, that treadmill and analogy that I use. I, I get that. Um, but I, I look at, you know, the, the mid nineties uh, Michael B and Sonny, and I just think it's not even the same game. You know, if this is like, you know, the Harlem Globetrotters versus, you know, someone, Less. Let's just put it politely. Yeah. I don't. I don't see them as. I. I think they were very good and they were very rehearsed. But for me, what I want out of a group of musicians is, if I say, take a solo, you're able to do that in the moment. It's not something you've pre-rehearsed. And I think there's probably only one of the Revolution who was actually capable of doing that. That's probably Lisa.
1: Yeah.
2: Um you know, if you look at any of the bands after that, every band member was capable of taking a solo. And mm-hmm. that that to me is the the big thing. You know, the the uh, I would push back slightly maybe on Donna Grantis, Third Eye Girl. I think she was a little bit of a throwback of she learned what worked. Um and she was quite rough around the edges at the the start. And you know, you could see that Prince had really rehearsed the life out of that band. Yeah. for everybody in between stellar players on, yeah. on their instrument they, they were just masters you know
0: and i want to mention too like you know if i could go back in time or if if prince was still alive you know what i would love to do i really you know we, we've chatted with amazing people but i really loved our chat with scotty baldwin i what would i give to say if, if especially after we talked to him and say scotty i'm going to be you know, I'll be security for you I'll make sure everyone leaves you alone but just to stand there and watch you work because I you know I have my own interest in my experience in doing live sound that would have been masterful watching him or even getting like a GoPro footage of him just working the board that what I would give to see that
2: well I think we need to put our heads together and see what we can get uh, on the bill for the Prince Celebration Week mm-hmm. next year because Susan Rogers she talked about wanting to work the board with some of the tapes that she'd you know, part taken in. Yeah. Um, Scotty, again, with the live stuff, it, he, he, you know, will run sound for a lot of the PRN uh, yeah. alumni. So I think that week, if we could push, there's a real chance that, you know, uh, we could all get our wishes. You could see Scotty do live sound. I could oh, see I love that. Yeah. Susan bring up uh, a lot of the boot, you know, the, the tapes of one of the unreleased songs. Yeah.
0: No, absolutely.
2: So final question for me is uh, what's next for each of your channels? What the trajectory that you you're hoping for and and the journey? Well, uh,
1: well I, as it grows. Yeah. It's kind of scary actually. Cause I'm not sure. Like, like we're saying all this pressure to get better at production and do stuff and do less. So production gets better as you do less, I think, obviously. So mm-hmm. um, I'm just, I want to get better at the things that count, which is the content and being able to deliver it and letting my personality come through or, you know, that kind of thing, that's what's engaging. And so that's the challenge for me is to kind of get that going and then everything else will follow. And just doing more reactions. uh, I I would say I didn't start doing reactions. I just thought, oh, uh, nobody's watching these other things I'm doing. I'll give that a shot and, you know, kind of Kind of blossomed into that and so I, I i think i'll continue doing that obviously but i'll probably start to interject more maybe guitar playing stuff into it that's kind of my my hope for next year
2: and you mentioned uh wanting some equipment to sort of come your way is there anything specifically if there's anyone uh, better camera A uh, camera okay
1: but you know that this is the thing it's like you have to as a youtube person it's like you have to be your own production person like your director writer mm-hmm. And I'm not an organized person, so I'm not gonna write a script. I know some people write scripts and all of this stuff, and some are great at the editing. Editing's, you know, whatever. But like every you just every notch is another thing. And so I think a camera would go a long way, is to answer your question. But that just opens yeah. a whole nother can of it, it uh, does, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. So um, I'm slightly afraid of that. You know, Brian, you've said a, a number of really interesting things. So we've kind of had a lot of interesting parallels in the journey. One of the things that I, I know I've said to the solitary adventurers several times uh, in, our, in our personal chats, I've said, I haven't found myself on, on YouTube yet. I have, you know, I kind of played it safe the first while I kind of played by the rules and, but um, although still being honest and forthright, but there is a very amped up cartoon character version of me. Uh, the other side of my personality, and that personality is going to come out more in the new year. Um, I, we talked about reaction requests. If you went through all the comments that have been posted on my channel in 2022, I could spend the next 15 years recording and editing them. I, could, I would never get through. I could never do them all. So again, I try to keep my reactions to uh, my Patreons, and even that is hard to do uh, sometimes. So I think we'll be doing some more We'll do weekly polls and the patrons can vote to see what they want me to react to or whatever. Once in a blue moon, someone in the comments will throw something very unusual at me that I'll acknowledge and do a reaction to. Or there might be something particular interest to me. But uh, I really enjoy the interviews. I'm hoping to do many more with the Solitary Adventure because that rabbit hole, now the Prince thing with the reactions is great, but going down this rabbit hole of actually meeting via Zoom all these interesting people. Uh, from the Prince background, also my own, like I'm a metal guy. So I'm interviewing, I interviewed Dave Ellison for Megadeth. I've interviewed Rusty Cooley, uh, different people. But that rabbit hole is kind of, that rabbit hole is, I want to kind of, you know, still do the reactions, but more go down the rabbit hole of the interviews. And maybe it's my own personal dream, but I'm hoping down the road I could go to Paisley Park and maybe do some interviews in person. I don't know, I know Chris has done a lot of traveling, but it would be great to meet him. Maybe I'd be over in England. Maybe we would be interviewing some famous people in Liverpool. Who knows where the road's going to take us? But uh, you know, uh, finding yourself on YouTube, yeah, it's it's it takes time. And I think you know, my humor is a little different. You know, it's not for everybody. But uh, the people that get it, they get it, and they find it. Uh, but I find it's starting to come out a little bit more. But my actual personality, usually when I have a lot of caffeine or pre-work in, into me, really starts to come out that amped up version. There's going to be a lot more of that uh, next year, but uh, as far as production, yeah, it's a rabbit hole too, because so my one camera, it's for my A shot. My other camera, it's for my B shot. And now I'm going to be getting another camera, hopefully for a C shot. <laughs> so it's kind of like, it, it just keeps growing or whatever. I'm actually hoping this time next year that I can afford to have like a, an assistant, you know what I mean? Like someone, a little bit of a production assistant, someone to help me. Uh, along those lines as well, because that would really help. And there's so much that people don't see if they don't do YouTube. They don't know. Like, you know, I've got five portable hard drives plugged into the PC. You know, I have so many that need to be cataloged, edited. I need someone like the Solitary Venture to come work for me on weekends where they just catalog videos and screenshots and pictures and thumbnails I, you know, I when it's disorganized, it drives me crazy. But, it's, you know, I could spend a week just doing that on my portable hard drives with all the video I've accumulated. Yeah.
2: Hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm going to speak for uh, the audience of, of both channels. If you're subscribed to one of these guys and not the other, fix that.
0: Absolutely. Subscriptions
2: yeah. Subscriptions for both. Um, thank you so much for your time. It's oh, been thank- fantastic uh, to to have both of you. And uh, I want to say to, to Chris. On, on Prince.
0: Yeah, I want to say to Chris, uh, I'm not going to speak for Brian, but I'll speak for myself. Chris has always been kind, generous with his time. He's been a big, I don't think my channel would be where it is if it wasn't for Chris. I'm going to be honest. Um, uh, Chris is a very modest guy. He's very kind. He's very, but I appreciate you and everything you do. And I appreciate you taking the time
1: to do this with us today.
2: Thanks, man. No problem. It's been my pleasure. All right. Great to meet you, Brian. Brian yes. with an eye.
1: Okay. Nice meeting you guys. Thank you.